Good morning. This January, we've been looking at the times when God offers us another chance or two, or maybe 2022. We looked at how when we screw up through sin or ignorance, God offers us another chance. And when life has screwed us over, inflicting pain and suffering through no fault of our own, well, God offers us more chances there too. But sometimes we're so tired and weary and discouraged that we don't even want another chance. We've given up. We feel like the teacher in Ecclesiastes who says in chapter 4, Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power is on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all the toil and all achievement springs from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He says, the world is so full of injustice and oppression, it'd be better off if I've never been born. It's all so, so meaningless. Even the things that we work so hard to achieve, it's just meaningless. You know, there are times in Ecclesiastes when it's uplifting and encouraging, but, but most of the time, he's just given up on life. Everything seems meaningless. No, I don't know if you'd describe it that way, but there are times in life, isn't there, when, when we don't want another chance, when we just want to quit. When I was a young pastor, just trying to figure out the whole ministry thing, with a toddler and a new baby at home in two churches that were struggling in the midst of a mining recession that, that left our community with 40% unemployment, and all of the difficulties that come with that for families and the community. And I was just exhausted. And on top of that, I'd done 60 funerals in four years. I'd had enough. I was done. So I called up the district superintendent to schedule an appointment so I could turn in my credentials and just quit. But on the night of that meeting, there was a blizzard, and so it had to be postponed. God had given me another chance to stay in ministry, and I was mad. I didn't want another chance. I just wanted to quit. Maybe you've been there in your own circumstances saying, God, I just can't do it anymore. It's so exhausting. It's all so meaningless. You may be a God of 2,022 chances, but I don't want any more. I give up. Well, you're not alone. I've been there. Your friends have been there. And even the, the great people of the Bible have been there. Heroes like the prophet Elijah. There are not many heroes in the Bible bigger than Elijah. When Israel, Israel was abandoning God and 
the Israelites from the king on down to Jezebel were worshiping pagan gods, especially the god Baal. Well, Elijah single-handedly took on 450 false prophets of Baal in what might be described as history's first barbecue cook-off. See, here was the challenge. Each side was to pile up wood to sacrifice a bull, put the animal on top of the wood, and then pray to their God to send down fire to light the wood on fire so the sacrifice could be made. And here on Mount Carmel, there they were, 450 to 1. And so Elijah let the 450 prophets of Baal go first, and they prayed, and they, they danced, and they raised their hands, and they cut themselves. They whipped themselves into a frenzy, praying and asking Baal to light the sacrifice. But of course, Baal didn't, because Baal isn't real. Now, I'd like to say that Elijah was gracious in all of this, but he really wasn't. He just couldn't help but tease those prophets of Baal. He said, shout louder. Maybe Baal is traveling. Maybe he's uh, asleep. Or perhaps he's on the throne, as in the porcelain kind. And more and more that they prayed and shouted to Baal, the more hopeless it became for them. Finally, Elijah said, enough is enough. And he turned to the people and he said, pour 12 jars of water on the wood. I want you to see that, that this isn't some trick. Flood it good so the water is pouring off. And then he turned to the Lord and he said, Lord, answer me so the people will know that you are God and that they'll turn back to following you. And with that, a bolt of fire comes down, burns up the wood and the meat and the water, and the people turn on the prophets of Baal who had led them astray, and they slaughter them. Pretty dramatic, huh? You would think that the story would end there with something like, and they all lived happily ever after. But that's only in fairy tales. And in real life, in real life, Queen Jezebel, who's had a particular fondness for these prophets of Baal, she vows revenge. She vows to have Elijah killed. And so instead of celebrating, Elijah runs for his life. We hear the story in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. 
And all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Because he's through. He's done. I'm finished, Lord. I've had enough, he says. He's given up. But God hasn't. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now Elijah is safe. All is well that ends well. He's got a fresh start, another chance. (coughs) But Elijah's not through with this pity party. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And again, instead of of seizing the, the chance that God has given him for a fresh start, Elijah launches into this tale of woe. Oh, Lord, I've been very jealous to follow you, but nobody else does, and now they're trying to kill me, and uh, on and on he goes. You ever notice how that, that sometimes when we get into this focusing on how bad we have it, that we develop a little story? And we tell that story to anybody that will listen to justify why we've given up. And, and even if someone has heard it a thousand times, we can't seem to stop rehearsing it over and over again. Well, that's what Elijah does. And the Lord says, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Some translations put it, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Elijah wants to, to complain. He wants to tell his story. In fact, he does. He replies, I've been very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's the same story. He's just told this verbatim. But that's what we do. He can't get out of his pity party. He just wants to to tell the story. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. And God gives him several more things that God needs him to do. And then God says, And I reserved 7,000 in Israel, 
all those who have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah wants to complain, but God says, you're not through. You want to keep writing a tragic ending to your story so you can justify giving up. But I haven't given up. Not on you, Elijah, and not on my people. Oh, and Elijah, you keep saying you're the only one who hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. But let me tell you, that's just, that's just bull droppings. I've got 7,000 people in Israel who are just like you, zealous for me, and who haven't bowed to Baal. You're not alone. So don't give up, Elijah. I'll be there for you, just like I was there for you back on Mount Carmel. And this time, you've got thousands of people on your side. And Stone, instead of quitting, God sends him back to continue his work. Elijah has another chance. And obviously, since I'm standing here today, I had another chance from God, too, when I wanted to quit. District superintendents are really busy people, so trying to schedule another meeting to quit took a long time. And by the time I could arrange another meeting, God had brought me out of my pity party, and I had renewed enthusiasm for being a pastor and later that summer, I did have a meeting with the district superintendent. But it was to say that the bishop wanted to offer me a new challenge. The bishop had another church or two that, that he needed me to go to. And I have to tell you, I am so glad that God gave me another chance to be a pastor, that I hadn't quit and just walked away. Because if I had... Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't be married. Uh, I'd wanted to go live in this trailer uh, back on the family farm. And uh, going to that trailer with the, a couple of little kids and Tammy, well, it would have been too much. But even more so, if God hadn't given me another chance, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be able to talk to you. And I wouldn't be able to share my life with you. God has given me another chance. Or maybe God has given me thousands, 2,022 chances. Chances when I felt it was just too much and I wanted to quit, I wanted to give in of whatever it was in life. But God said, I'm not through with you that yet. I haven't given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. The Lord says to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is the God of another chance. So if you are feeling discouraged, if you are feeling weary, if you're like Ecclesiastes, just saying it's all meaningless, know that it's not. That your life matters to God that God does have a plan for you, a plan to give you hope and a future. But you know, sometimes it's, it's not us who have given up. Sometimes it's someone else who's given up. And there God offers us chances too. A chance to, to bring hope to another person's life. 
In the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, the tables are turned on Elijah. This time, he's the one saying, don't give up. And a poor widow and her sons are the ones that need to know that God hasn't given up on them. Here's how it happened. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. She's given up. All she can see is is this last meal and then death for her and her son. But through Elijah, God gives her another chance. It says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour is not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord, spoken by Elijah. Now, notice that Elijah doesn't come driving up in a big old bakery truck full of bread. He's got nothing himself. But he does have what this widow doesn't. He has hope. And he has trust in the Lord. That God will give them another chance that together they can live by the power of God. And with his encouragement, this woman shares her last food and learns that God will provide. You may not have the material things that somebody else needs, but you may have something they need even more. Hope and trust in God. Back when I had two churches at the same time, I would hold services in one and then dash to the other to hold the service in the next town. There wasn't much time in between. But one cold Sunday morning as I was driving between churches, I noticed something there in the ditch. It was a a shadowy figure of somebody plodding through the deep snow of the ditch, and, and I didn't notice a car that might have broken down. And besides, if somebody had broken down, they'd surely walk the road, not walk through the, the deep snow in the ditch. And something, or, or rather someone, told me to pull over. So I did, and I helped this person into my car. She was shivering, and, and she was silent. I told her that I was a pastor on my way to church and that I could take her wherever she needed to go uh, if she'd be willing to wait an hour for the service. She could come in, she could stay warm in the church, and I'd take her where she needed to go. And she nodded. When we got to the church, 
she went into the bathroom and I expected her to, to slip out during the service, maybe call a friend if she had one, but instead she slipped into the back pew. And as the service went on, it was like that commercial of the snowman that's eating soup and, and uh, it melts away and it's a person underneath. She came to life during that service. After the service, people invited her to, to have some of the coffee time there and, and I talked with her. And she wasn't the person that had stepped in. She was actually smiling. She said, thank you for bringing me here. I needed this. I'd given up. I didn't care what happened to me out there. Nobody else cared about me, so why should I care? Today you've given me hope. Can I come again? And she did. She found God had given her another chance at life, even when she didn't ask for it. When we give up, God doesn't. God is still working in our lives. We get another chance to live and others too, when God uses us to bring hope into their life. They too can have hope in the future. Our lives aren't meaningless. Our wearisomeness isn't permanent. Those times when we want to give up, they don't last. But God does. The Lord is the everlasting God. Have you read Isaiah 40? Let me just close today with those words. If you're going through a time of discouragement, if you're, if you're feeling like you can't go on, if, you're, if your troubles are so big and you're just done and you maybe not, don't even want another chance, listen to what Isaiah says. Do you not know have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. May that be so for you. May you rise on wings as eagles. May you walk and not faint. Because the Lord has given you another chance, whether you asked for it or not, and has called you into life. Amen and amen.